Hello. All right, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't say it, okay? So I'm asking for your permission to speak freely. Okay. I need an illustration. So it's only. Come up, come up. Todd, come up here. Stand here. There is no shame in asking for help for your fight. I cannot fight for you. Can't. I wish I could fight every one of your battles. I know every one of us go through stuff, and I wish I could fight your battles for you, but I cannot fight your battles for you. It is your fight. It is all your fight. Every one of you fights your own battles. This is the battle. Stand over here, Don. Go. Try to go through. See? He can't go through because it's his battle. Now, it's possible he may know a trick or two to get around, but it's okay if he asks me. Come on. Now we fight the battle together. Do you understand? Does it make sense? We, pastor, sister, we can't fight your battles for us, for you. We're here to help fight with you. And we can't fight these battles if you don't make your petition known. You can sit here and silence all you want to, and you can sit here and struggle as much as you want to, but if you want to get through these things, you'll have to ask for assistance. And there is no shame in asking for assistance to make it through these battles. Okay, we received the word. We can go home now and eat. <laughs> Soon I shall hear the call from heaven's portal. Come home, my child. It's the last mile you must draw it. I'll have no fear. Say that with me. I'll have no fear. Have no fear. For Jesus walks beside me. For I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. Can't you just feel God embracing you this morning like God hugged us and let us sit in his lap and just spoke over us and sang over us and has brought a word for everyone in this house this morning you came expecting to receive. You will receive. Tiffany, I felt like the Lord would say to you, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden. What you brought, leave this morning. And the spiritual Holy Ghost custodian will clean it and remove it as far as the east is from the west. Aren't you glad God has the ability to do that? Did you enjoy the four musketeers this morning? Did they not, did they not break through this morning? Christine and, and Bailey are absent today, but everybody was in their place doing what God called them to do. And there's a thickness. There's a thickness yeah. in this atmosphere. There's a yeah. thickness of the things of God. I learned a long time ago that when the music goes forth, the word goes forth. If you're an open receptacle, you can receive a healing right where you sit, right? You don't have to have hands laid on you. You don't have to be prophesied over, but you are a candidate for God's best because you are God's child. Look at somebody and say, stop being a scaredy cat. Stop being a scaredy cat. Psalm 34, we'll look at that in just a moment. H.G. Wells is called the father of science fiction. I'm not really a big science fiction fan. I know there are those that, 
that uh, that floats your boat, that rocks your that rocks your world. I've not really been a science fiction fan, but H.G. Wells, the father of science fiction, in 1897 wrote a book, a bestseller, one of his best works, called War of the Worlds. And it was a story of an invasion from another planet upon not just America, but the world, and that we were in world war with another planet. In 1938, a radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, decided to air a, a reading por- a verbal portion of that writing. They did not introduce it as being fiction. They just simply introduced it as, ne- as news. And the nation went into a panic. Looting, violence, rob, all kinds of horrible things happened until the nation realized it was science fiction. It wasn't true but it absolutely rocked this world. My thought this morning on Stop Being a Scaredy Cat, I want to look a little bit today at the faction of fear, how fear operates. There's a war going on. The Apostle Paul said there's a struggle going on. We're at war today, and that war is the war of faith versus fear. I would like to say that faith always wins, but there are things in our life that has proven to us that faith does not always win. Sometimes we give in to fear, and we know that fear can cause anxiety. Let me take my glasses and read what I said, some of the things that fear might do. Fear can cripple. Fear can paralyze. Fear can disqualify. I've heard that expression growing up, don't be such a scaredy cat. Well, we have a cat that has no fear, and it has no brains. It will lay right in the middle of our road and just lay there like she owns the place. She has no fear of azalea. She has no fear she'll get outside the outside bay window and she'll prance back and forth just to antagonize him. And I have been tempted from time to time to let azalea out of the gate and to see what would happen when azalea started chasing Fiona, Miss Kitty, Callie, whatever. She has three different names. No wonder she's so confused. But I want to talk about this morning the, 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 the fear of failure, the fear of worry, the fear of depression. So many things sometimes we don't do because we are afraid. Interesting enough, and I text Strong's Concordance, and I ask Google, Google, how many times is fear not found in the Bible? Take a wild guess. 365 times does the Word of God encourage you not to be afraid, to fear not. That's one for every single day of the year. Every day the Holy Spirit greets you with an attitude, and that attitude is fear not. We're going to do a great adventure today. We're going to have fun today. We're going to enjoy life today. We're going to step out and see what God has for us. As we look at some of the fear knots in the Bible, reminded probably the first fear knot is where the children of Israel came out of the land of bondage and they were in the desert of Sinai and the, the Red Sea was there before them. And I have been to the Red Sea. It's a, it's a, I was there during the time of a storm and it was a raging storm and the waves were six to eight foot tall. And I've been told that the depth of the Red Sea is over 30 foot and that barrier was separating and keeping them from the promised land. The enemy was behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them. There was no way to go around it. And Moses stood up and said, fear not. 
The Egyptians you see today, you will see no more, and God will fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And when he struck the rock with the staff, the Bible says the Red Sea parted, and the children of Israel crossed through on dry ground is what the word said. There's no way to manipulate that word. It was dry. They walked across it. And then as the enemy tried to pursue them where they had just walked, the Bible says the waves overflowed them and destroyed the army of Pharaoh. Fear not, the Egyptians you see today, you will see no more. Another time where God said fear not was when Jesus was born. The Bible says there were angels rejoicing and the angels came to the shepherds. And what did they say? Fear not, for I bring you great good news of great joy, which shall be in all people. And you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Aren't you glad that the angels greeted the shepherds, or they probably would have all freaked out? That's a term we use often. How many, ever, ever, how many knows what it's like to freak out? I have not broken the law in years, but every time I see a state trooper in the review, rear view, or I see him parked over at Cleveland State, or I see him over here, there's something inside of me that just begins, can anybody relate? I haven't broken any laws, I'm not a felon, I'm not a criminal, but for some reason the sight of a police car brings great fear and trepidation to my spirit. I'm, I believe that I'm not afraid of the animal kingdom, but sometimes there's just something that happens when a spider crawls over your arm and walks up to your neck and begins to approach your face. I don't know if it's fear or the spirit of murder that comes upon me, but I'm greatly disturbed and I'm greatly frustrated. But the Bible says in Romans 8 and 15, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Jesus told the disciples, fear not, what man can do unto you, but fear, fear even more God's hand in your life. Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Verse 3, I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all. Say with me, all my fears. So anything in your life today that's bringing fear or worry, the Bible says God has given us the power to overcome that fear. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 7, cast all your cares, that word cares in the Greek is anxieties, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you. God cares about you, he cares where you're at, and God does not want you to walk in fear or intimidation. 1 Timothy 1 and 7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, and that word in the Greek is intimidation, but of three things. Say it with me. Power, power love, love, and a sound mind. sound mind. Those three ingredients is what we use in the formula today to defeat fear, that we have the, the spirit, spirit. We know that fear is a spiritual entity, and sometimes fear will, fear will come through intimidation, intimidation through a family friend, intimidation through a, 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 a spouse, I wrote down here intimidation through an employer, but I'm here to tell you this morning that the spirit of fear is a spiritual weapon the enemy tries to use against you to stop you from completing, or starting rather, and completing great exploits for God. And if you're in a place where God has called you to do something, or God has called you to be involved in something, 
Don't let intimidation stop because God sees the akari. He sees the end of the matter. He sees you more than a conqueror. He sees you more than a victor. He sees you an overcomer. He sees you taking back what the enemy has stolen from you. And it's with boldness that we approach the thief and not only expose him for being a thief, but demand for him to return sevenfold what he's stolen from us because of the spirit of fear that he's brought against us. Am I preaching good this morning? My best friend, my precious cousin, went to be with the Lord a couple years ago. But we did a lot of stuff together. And my cousin was terrified. He wasn't afraid. He was terrified. That's another level of fear. He was terrified of snakes. And we were out hunting one morning, and I killed a water moccasin. And I went and put the water moccasin in his uh, bow case. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, put your bow up. We'll go get a cup of coffee. And so I was watching out of the corner of my eye. And he opened up that bow case, and I mean, sure, sure, terror come upon his face when he saw that snake in the case. And then later I took the snake and put it underneath the front seat of his car that he was driving. We parted ways. He went to Florida. I came back to Tennessee. I called him and I said, well, what did you think about my buddy? He said, your buddy? I said, yeah. I said, I put the snake under your seat. You can hear the car locking up the brakes, and you can see in your spirit the car swerving all over the road as he got to where the, 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 got to the snake and threw the snake out. He tried to pay me back, but he never did anything as good as I did to him. I was always one step ahead of him. Then I remember one time, Matt, you'll appreciate this, that Keith Thedley and I were on the golf course, and Keith didn't see it, but there was a dead snake laying by the creek, and I got the snake, and I draped it in Keith's golf, golf cart, and so we got out to the hole, we got ready to pitch up on the green, and Keith went to get his pitching wedge, and lo and behold, there was that snake right there on the golf cart. I don't think that Keith cussed, but I think he spoke in tongues. I think he ran like a little child, terror and fear, because we sometimes just have things in our life that we are scared of. I don't know that I'm afraid of snakes, I just know that I hate snakes, and I've learned that the only good snake is a snake that's good and dead. I remember a video I saw of an 18-wheeler. They, they did a test, and they put a, a, about a six-foot rubber rattlesnake on the, on the shoulder of the road, and they set a camera up, and they had people driving over the snake, putting it in reverse, driving back over the snake. 18-wheeler ran over all those wheels, came back. One lady got her, glo- got her gun out of her glove box and shot the snake six or seven times, and there's just something in our hearts that we don't want to have anything to do with snakes. Can you relate? If the enemy can, he wants to try to intimidate you. The problem is too big. The the pain is too great. The, the, The task is overwhelming and you can't accomplish it. I remember growing up in high school, um, I had a crush on Carol Jackson. Carol was a twin. Her and Carl were twins. And uh, I went to a, a rich school. I was not wealthy. My family was not wealthy, but uh, in the middle of my sophomore year, they took me out of public school. Uh, the, the, the public school had got so bad that there was a math teacher that was selling drugs to the kids, and, and my parents just didn't want me in that environment. So they put me in Christian school where the principal sold drugs to the kids. No, just kidding. <laughs> and uh, I, I, went to a, I went to a rich school, and when, when, when we all turned 16 and we got cars, I know that Car- Carol and Carl, they got dusters. Uh, Carl's was lime green, and Carol's was root beer brown. And my friend David Phillips got a brand new 72 Stingray Corvette. Another one of my friends got a brand new Mach 1 Mustang. 
and I was driving a 53 New Yorker Chrysler Deluxe where you could lay down in between the radiator and the front bumper. That's how it was a big old boat. But guess what? Everybody wanted to borrow my car on Friday night. Why? Because it had bench seats and they wanted to go to the drive-in and smooch with their girlfriend. And while they're at the drive-in smooching with their girlfriend, I'm burning rubber from one red light to the next on a place called Bellflower Boulevard. We were cruising the boulevard and we were cool. And one day I had a Corvette. The next day I had a Dexter. One day I had a Mustang. You never knew what I was going to drive because of my big old car. Everybody wanted my big old car. My cousin, when he got married, took, took his brand new conversion van, let me drive it for a week while he drove my car and smooched with my cousin. I'll leave it there because that's as far as it needs to go. But there was a girl in high school, her name was Carol, and she was pretty, she was sharp, she was a head cheerleader, and I was always intimidated around her. And what is so crazy, like the last week or the second last week of my senior year, she asked me, she said, Henry, that's what they called me in high school, hated that name, hate it today, my name is Hank, but not Snow. <laughs> and uh, she, said, she said, Henry, how come you never asked me out? I was completely blown away because here, sophomore, junior, and senior, I had a crush on her, and I was always intimidated by her, but here she kind of wanted to go out on a date, and I wish I'd have known that a little earlier in life. I probably wouldn't have been so intimidated or so backward or so helpless. Can anybody relate? We know that God has not given us that spirit of intimidation, but there is a spirit of intimidation that would try to overwhelm you. But God said, I'm going to give you a power. The Bible says, after that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and ye shall receive power. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. And this morning as you came empty, God wants to fill you with his power. That's what Acts 1 and 8 says, that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, ye shall receive power. You can't be in a service like you were in today and the glory cloud of the Lord descends upon us and we feel his anointing and we feel his favor and we just feel a release in the spirit. And that's the Holy Ghost. He wants to take your dry, thirsty soul and he wants to saturate you with the power of the Holy Ghost. If you'll see yourself as a vessel, the Bible says that we are jars of clay. That's in 2 Corinthians 4 and 14, that we are jars of clay. We might be jars of clay, but God wants us to be filled with his presence, with his power, with his perseverance, that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. He's got a great mission. He's got a great task. He's got a great purpose. God, in, God, God, in, God inserts in every one of us that measure of faith. Amen. And if you can believe that Jesus died, rose from the grave, is at the right hand of the Father, if you can believe he's coming back like a thief in the night, if you think that every grave is going to burst wide open that, that knew him when they died, if you think we're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord, if you think we're going to go to another planet and live forever in heaven, if you can believe that, then you can believe if God be for us, who can be against us? I will not let fear intimidate me, rob me, steal, take from me what God has for me, because I want God's best. Fear produces a lack of confidence. Fear produces a lack of courage. Fear produces self-doubt. Fear produces weakness. Fear produces inadequacy. God would never called you to do it if he didn't think you could do it. Remember that. 
God would have never called you to do it if he didn't think you could do it. So know this morning you've been given that power to operate in faith and his glory and his goodness to do all that he's asked you to do. Then the Bible says not only has God not given us a spirit of intimidation, but God has given us a spirit of love. When I think about love, I, I believe I didn't really understand the love of a father until I became a father. And there was something about being a dad, Pastor Rhonda, uh, uh, being with child, and, and that to me that was a that was a good that was a good season in our life. We made plans. We we knew it was going to be a girl. We got everything ready. We got her name. We got her room ready. We went through all the preparations of bringing a daughter into the world. And then I remember when when uh, when Courtney was being born, there were some challenges, and we prayed, and God helped us, and God gave us a beautiful baby daughter. And I remember when, I don't think it was the nurse, I think it was Pastor Rhonda, but whoever handed that, that, that daughter to me, when I took her in my arms, there was, a, there was a feeling I had never, ever experienced. There was a love I had never, ever had, and my love for her began to teach me about the love that God has for you. You are his son, and you are his daughter, and he loves you. And if you've ever had a child, or if, or if, you've, ever, if you've ever been around someone that had a child, you can see that demonstration of love, and as we love that child, that's how God loves us. I believe that the, the favorite word in my daughter's vocabulary, both my daughters, is the word absolutely, without exception. If they ask if we can do something, I say absolutely. I learned that from the Father God. When I asked God, can I do something, he said absolutely. When I ask God, can I, he says absolutely. No matter what I ask, within, obviously within bounds, within reason, within, te- within integrity, anything I ask God. When I was a young evangelist, I asked God for there to be a Taco Bell at every exit on Interstate 75. Now, that was kind of a dumb prayer. That was kind of a silly prayer. But did you know that today, from here to uh, Atlanta, there's a Taco Bell at every single exit but one? Put that, in your, put that in your proverbial pipe and smoke. The Bible says that husbands are to love their wives the way that Christ loved the church. That's the way we are to love. And our wives are submit to the husbands as Christ submitted to the church. Christ loved the church so much that he gave his life for it. And that's the love that we are to have one for another, the, 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 the love that God honors. And in Luke 10, Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Those are big words. That's a broad statement, that nothing shall hurt you. So that means the fears that you're having, the things that's intimidating you or frustrating you, the Bible says they have no place in the life of a child of God, and you have to address those fears, and you need to deal with those fears because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Does that excite anybody in this house this morning, that God is living, God with me, God is living inside of me? John 4 and 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, her illustration of a, uh, it was hot this summer, and there's a man walking on the sidewalk, overcome with heat. He passed out. Immediately, a young lady got to his aid, began to, begin to administer uh, first aid, and this guy didn't think she was doing it right, so he pushed her to the side. 
He said, let me handle it. I just took a course in first aid. So he, he begins to do what, what you do, and he gets ready to do artificial, and, and he's beginning to re respire her. And the woman looked at him and said, when you get to the place where you need to call a doctor, I'm already here. <laughs> you could be somebody else's doctor. You could be the one that meets somebody else's need. Not just love, but a sound mind. When I think of sound mind, I think what the scripture says in Philippians 2 and, 15, 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal of God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon the form of, a fact, form of a servant, being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Say that with me, every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess the glory of God the Father. When you speak the name of Jesus, fear has to flee. That's right. When you speak the name of Jesus, worry dissipates. When you speak the name of Jesus, walls come down. And it's that faith that we have in that name that that name can do anything if we speak it the way God intended for us to speak it, in boldness and in authority. 1933, we were in depression. Franklin Roosevelt won the second term, and in his inauguration speech, he said, we're going to be okay. The only thing to fear is fear itself. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Don't let your fears intimidate you. Don't let them stop you. Don't let them hinder you. Bind them by the blood of Jesus. Confront them by the word of Jesus. Begin to speak the word of God over your life. Find every pause in scripture that says what you can do in Christ. Find out who you are in Christ and then start being it. Yes. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for, your, for, for the sense of your presence in this room. You came down. And we got caught in the middle and, and you loved on us and you spoke to us, you ministered to us. Let us confront, let us learn to confront our fears. Let us learn to speak to our doubt, our worry. Let us begin to bind those things that are hindering us and stopping us. Let us, let us feel comfortable to get out of the boat, to walk on water because you're calling us to do great exploits and great things. Let us not be limited or hindered or disqualified or intimidated. I take authority over the spirit of intimidation in Jesus name and I declare that we have your power, we have your we have your love and we have a sound mind. Our mind is stable, We're focusing and thinking on the thoughts of God. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, and of the bandits of the heart the mouth speaketh. We begin to declare your victory, your promises and we begin to pursue the great things that you prepared for us in this life. From this moment forward, we confront any disqualification, we confront any intimidation, and we declare that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and I can still do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Oh, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house this morning? We believe that. Now, I'm not telling you to go out in the woods and find a snake and name it and Make it your pet and let it slip. That's not what I'm, that's what I'm speaking. But when the enemy says you can't, always remember God says you can. When the enemy says you can't, 
you tell the enemy, God says, I can get the 